0: Go ahead, have a seat. Ushers, come forward. Let's give out of how God has given to us. It's all from him. It's all for him. Uh, If you're here for the first, second, or third time, you received a card that says connection card as you walked in today. Uh, In the next 20 minutes, go ahead and fill that out. And then as we head out, there will be a really nice table on your right and nice people there too. Uh, You matter to us. You made this place matter to you this morning. And we'd like for you to receive a gift today. Uh, Something filled with sugar uh, or a t-shirt or a Bible uh, just to say thanks so much for being part of our family today. Uh, So this morning as we're driving in... uh, I'm driving at 545. Tim is right behind me. We get closer to the intersection of Kings Canyon and Peach right up here. And there is uh, yellow tape all the way across the intersection. And there are two cop cars on either side of Kings Canyon and Peach. Uh, Both red and blue lights are blaring. And I thought to myself... Tim, we have arrived, all right? The armed police escort to bring us to church has happened. It's finally there. Next week is the helicopter. Today is the... No, it wasn't that at all. Uh, apparently, there was a car accident, kind of a big deal. Nobody died, uh, so we can make jokes about it. Otherwise, that'd just be mean. Uh, and And... For the next two hours, Kings Canyon to Peach is totally closed off. We're watching the clock, ready to make an emergency Facebook post saying church still happens, even though you can't get here, go around. Uh, But for two hours, what they were doing is they were cleaning up a disaster. Somebody had a really bad time driving uh, around our church and their car got spread all over the street. So they had to close both sides for this. We can all relate to that this morning because there are areas in all of our lives where we are in accident uh, and it needs to get cleaned up. God is all about this. God loves restoration projects because God found each and every one of us as a restoration project. None of us walk into the kingdom of God in a turnkey fashion. right? We are all restoration projects that God takes control of. For each and every one of us, we are loved by God. That part will never change. You, where you sit today, not your best version, not the someday I want to be this, you now, right now, today, you're loved by God. God loves you with a complete passionate, calling you to follow Him love. And it's also an accurate and an understanding love. That within that, God knows that all of us, me included, bring sin into that relationship. We bring a brokenness. We bring an accident uh, that needs to close off the road and needs to get cleaned up. That's called sin. And what God did to clean up our accident, to clean us up and bring us into His family was God sent Jesus for us. Like Isaac said earlier, when we least deserved it, before we had done anything good, God sent Jesus to take away our sin, to pay the penalty for our sin, so that instead of inheriting the consequences of our sin, we inherit the consequences of Jesus's righteousness. We walk into that because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. And so as a disaster project, God wants to restore us. He wants to clean us up. There's, you're not going to drive out of here and still see a fender lying on the middle of the road because it's being cleaned up. And one of the ways that God wants to clean us up is all around our finances. That's what we've been talking about for the last few weeks, and that's what we're going to be talking about for a few more weeks. We are in a a series called Unstoppable, and that is absolutely on purpose because December— December, we're not near there. Uh, July 20th, we're going to close escrow on a piece of property that we're going to move into. Uh, That's going to be an awesome day for us. And on two days later, on the 22nd, we're going to take an offering to go towards paying down our loan, paying up our down payment, and then fixing some stuff that really needs to get fixed. One of those things is a roof, because it'd be really bad to go visit the people of Jesus, have the roof cave in on you, and be in the presence of Jesus that same day. It'd be good for you. It'd be bad for everybody else, because you'll be in heaven. And so what we're going to do is on the 22nd, we're going to take an offering for that. And then leading up to that, we want to look at the whole role that finances plays in our lives. Last week, we talked about tithing. Tithing is us giving back God uh, 10% of the money that he's given us. He's provided 100% for us. We return 10 to him through the local church for him to use to fund the Great Commission. And then we use the 90 that, that is left. We manage that to the best of our ability because God is our provider who can do more than we can ever ask or imagine. And even within the issue of money and looking at it today, we're going to look at unstoppable control. This is <clears throat> giving God unstoppable control over everything that comes through our hands financially. Even within this, we start from a place of blessing. We start from a place of blessing with God in our finances because God provided us with money for our survival and our blessing. From the very beginning of Scripture, we get to see God as a loving Heavenly Father who is about our survival and about our blessing. The way that I think of this is if I was God and if I was in control, the Bible would be five pages long. All right? It wouldn't look like this with a thousand of those really, really weirdly thin Bible pages. It would be one of those little kid board books All right, with five pages on it. Page one, God creates everything, and it's amazing Page two, God creates animals. That's worth some pictures. Page three, God creates humans. Adam and Eve, he unites them together as husband and wife. It's perfect, it's the perfect woman, the perfect man together. Page four, You introduce sex because that needs to be talked about. Uh, And then page five, it all goes to trash. All right, God says you have one job. You should not eat from this tree. And so what do they do? They eat from the tree. God is a father. He knows exactly how kids work. You're a parent. You know that's exactly true. Don't do this. What's your kid going to do? They're going to immediately do this. And so what I would do is I would completely roll the thing up, throw it away, start over. That's your five-page Bible. But the story of our Bible from page 5 until the second to last chapter is God putting things back together. Is God working his redemption, prog- his redemption project of all of us through the cross to put together what's been broken in all of our lives. That's the good news of Jesus. That all of us come into this world with a certain amount of brokenness. And what God does is he puts it back together. One of the areas for all of us that needs to be put together in one way or another is finances. And finances are difficult because it's not something where you can just say, oh, let's clean it up. It gets into our identity. It gets into the way that that we have fear and the way that we have struggle and the way that we have insecurity. Finances is not just a simple cleanup job because it deals with our identity. And so what does God do? God works redemption through our finances. He takes what's a broken thing and he makes it a good thing because finances and us bringing them to God, God provides us with these things for our survival and our blessing. It's a blessing for us to be able to give back 10% to God out of what he's given for us. It's a blessing for us to use the other 90 that he's given us to meet our own needs and, and to save for things that we enjoy. It's a blessing that when all of our stuff is paid for. We've tithed. We've paid for food. We've paid so we can live indoors or a really nice tent if you're more outdoorsy. When we've done all that, we can actually spend money on stuff that we enjoy. That's a blessing from God. For all of us, we have that thing that we look at and we're like, oh yes, I love this. For us here as like a like set up and tear down crew, one thing that we really, really enjoy, and if you look around, you're going to see this uh, hidden on lots of things, is wheels. Right. We love wheels. Why do we love wheels? Because skinny people like me like to help with setup and tear down too. And we can't carry everything. So as you look around at stuff, everything has wheels on it. All right, we are a church on wheels because every week it rolls out from the container. It gets set up somewhere between 6 a.m. and when first service gets here at 9.30. And at the end of the day, it all goes back in, and it all rolls in. Nothing is carried anymore because little chunk by little chunk, $5 wheel by $5 wheel, we've made it so that nothing gets carried. VeggieTales, which is always a good authority for everything, uh, It says that eccentric is weird plus money. This is how we are eccentric. This is our weirdness. You put in a little money, and we are eccentric. That's how we have wheels on absolutely everything. Because at the end of the day, when everything's paid for, you get to spend some money on some fun stuff. Now, when you spend your money on the fun stuff beforehand, like when everything's paid, that's when everything gets disastrous. But God provides us with money as a blessing for us. Within that blessing, though, there's danger. Unless we control our money, we will be slaves to it and it will control us. That's not me talking, that's Jesus talking. He says this, Matthew 6, verse 19. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store up your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Because wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your heart will also be. Jesus starts vague. He starts with this idea of treasure because he knows better than us that every single one of us are creatures of worship. We will worship something. If we, worship, if we choose to worship God, that's gonna be what we worship. If we choose to worship ourselves, then we're gonna worship the God that we see every morning in the mirror. If we worship our money, that's what's where, what we're gonna be most consumed with. So Jesus takes this idea of treasure and begins to paint it into our financial life because all of us can relate to that. We all have a thing that's going to get our heart, whether it's ourself, whether it's God, whether it's money, whether it's protection, whether it's security, whether it's what if. You know, we've got that thing. And so Jesus says, if you're going to worship me, then you're going to look at finances, you're going to look at status, you're going to look at stuff totally different. And if you're going to worship those things instead of me, there are things that you're going to miss out on. Now, is this a death sentence for any one of us temporarily? No. If we continue to live our lives worshiping stuff instead of worshiping God, yes, it will be an eternal death sentence for us. But what Jesus does as our redeeming God is he comes and he cleans up the accident. He puts stuff back together again. He takes the broken things and makes them good things in our lives. And Jesus says to store up treasure in heaven for two reasons. One is because it's connected to where our heart is. We store up our treasures in heaven. We invest through tithing in the local church. This is where our heart is going to be. We invest in ourselves, and that's where our heart's going to be. And Jesus gets really creative about talking about the danger of this, of danger of not doing this. He says, don't invest your treasure. Don't store up treasure here on earth where rust and moth and thieves can destroy. Those are three things in that day that nobody had any control over. Rust was just going to happen. Moths were just going to happen. Thieves were just going to happen. He said, that thing that you invest in so much, it can be gone in a second. So don't store up treasure here. I read this, I think about my own life, I think of, I I love running, okay, that's my thing. Every morning, uh, I should be up running except for Sundays because we're up here super early. Uh, Usually, I sleep in on Tuesday. For some reason, Tuesday is always the day where it does not happen. Uh, But I've got miles that I want to run each week because I want to hit a certain total each month because at the end of the year, I want to run more and more miles this year than I did last year, and I'm like three years in a row of doing that. And as I do this, there's one thing that continues to go up, my miles per year and my age per year. I think of this, and I hear in my head, tick, tock, tick, tock. A friend of mine, he was a great runner in high school, not so much since then. Uh, he blew out his Achilles a few weeks, and so that's in my head a few weeks ago. That's in my head thinking, Ken, you might be next. And he didn't do it on a big workout. He didn't do it on a big run. He did it taking a step, and boom, snap, it's gone. Like, if I have put up my treasure in running, if I put my treasure in fitness, if I put my treasure in head hitting, a certain amount of miles a month that I did not hit last month in June. If anybody else missed their exercise goal in June, welcome to the family. But if I put that, if I put my goal in that, it can be gone in a step. In a step. And my coach told me in college, you know, everything's great until you hit 38 and then it all goes down the tubes. I'm 37, so I might have like nine more months worth of running and then, and then we'll all be uh, walking together. It'll be great. If I put my worth in that, it can be gone. But what does Jesus say? He says, don't store up treasure here in your ability where a snapped Achilles can destroy. He says, put your treasure in heaven. Part of the way practically that we put our treasure, we, we allow ourselves to not be controlled by our money, but to let God control our money in a real practical way. And we're going to have four or five practical things we can do today to not let our money control us, but to let God control our money is to start budgeting. So how that works is you make a list of all the money that's coming into your life in a month or in a week or two weeks or however you want to do it. Take a time period. All the money that's coming in. And then you look at all the money that's going out. You start with tithing. That's 10% right away. We give our first fruits the beginning of the month to God. Today was July 1st. So if you give automatically at Mountain View, you got an email really early this morning saying thank you for your reoccurring gift to Mountain View Sunnyside. That's what we do first with our finances is we tithe at the very beginning. After that, we look through everything else that needs to get paid for. Your energy so that you can take a warm shower when you wake up. Your water so that you can actually take that shower whether or not it's hot. We list through all your bills, living indoors, eating food. Fasting is great. Fasting for a month, not as great. But we list out everything that needs to get covered. And we make sure that at the end, both numbers are exact. That you're tithing, you're spending, you're saving, all these things. Uh, I like to look at it as give, save, live. Those are our priorities financially. Do those three things. Make sure the money adds up. If the money that's going out is way bigger than the money that's coming in, then either you must be very creative and have a plan, which is a bad idea, or there's stuff on the going out that needs to be brought back up to the amount of money that's coming in. We budget so that we've got control over what's going on with our money. In our family, we've got a budget. We talk about it often. We look at the areas that are getting harpooned by a little bit of recklessness and how to cut those off quickly and about the areas in our lives that are doing great and watching savings and accounts grow. It's how we have control of our money instead of allowing our money to control us. What that means, though, is there will be things that you have to not spend money on. Our kids know that when they ask for something at the wrong time, whether it's at the store or whatever, they hear a line that is always the same, and there are no kids in here, especially mine, uh, so you can steal this also with your kids. That's not how we're spending our money right now. You're not saying we don't have money for that and teaching them the poverty complex. You're saying that's not what we're spending our money on right now. So whether it's a candy bar or it's a Ford Mustang, you can tell them that's not what we're spending our money on right now. If you have a Mustang and you've saved for it, way to go. Good job. Keep doing that. But for all of us, we, unless we control our money, it's gonna be sla- we're going to be slaves to it and it will control us. The good news, where's the redemption in this? Where's the, 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 the hope in this? Because other than that, it just sounds like a lot of you need to do this because God loves you and you should pay him back. That's not what it is. In this, Jesus redefines everything about us, including how we spend money. When Jesus saw us as people who were far from him, people that he loved who were still far from him, and he came to lay down his life to pay the penalty for our sin, to bring us into a relationship with Jesus, his goal was to redefine everything about us, to redefine our fears, to redefine our identity, to redefine our past, to redefine our future. And part of that is redefining how we spend money. And so I want to close with three statements about who we are in regards to our money. And the first of those is that for all of us, I am valued for who I am, so I don't need to compare myself to others. This is written 2,000 years ago, but it applies really, really well to social media. Jesus says this, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your whole body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light, but when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and you will despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest to store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Well, what if they're endangered species? Yes, you still are, you still are. Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? Value is key here. Jesus died for us. Jesus left heaven, which was perfect, and moved into the ghetto of earth. Before there was air conditioning, he chose to live in a desert because we are valued right now. Not eventually, not when we get stuff right. We begin our relationship with Jesus and our life in general as men and women who are valued. And social media is huge in sometimes destroying this. It's like this. I'm going to roll this over because it has wheels. Because here at Sunnyside, we believe in wheels and love wheels. Social media, does two things. It allows one thing in us to grow. What grows in us? Comparison. Dissatisfaction, fear, anxiety, and FOMO, which is fear of missing out that grows. We see pictures on other people's stuff, which is the one picture that they took of the whole family or the whole group where nobody's blinking, where the kids aren't crying, where everything is great. They post that. Social media posts the top 1% of what's going on in people's lives. Or unless they're just a total complainer, then yes, it's 100%. But we look at that and we don't angst over the complaining posts, whatever. We look at the posts where people are doing stuff that we're not And what grows in us is fear and anxiety and comparison. We look at our life, where we're at work this week. You're in Fresno this week, which is a horrible place to be because it's a million degrees today. Where other people that we're going to see on our timeline are in places that can't be pronounced and have really, really nice sand. We have sand. There's grapes growing on it, and it's a million degrees there. It's called Fresno. It's called our home. We see that, and there's nothing wrong with vacations. Jesus gives a command to take a vacation. He calls it a Sabbath day, but you can paraphrase it today. It's a vacation. Jesus tells us to do that. But the way that social media works is our brains see it, and immediately we see what we don't have because that's the second thing that, that social media does with us is it kills our gratitude for what we actually have. It's round up for contentment in our life. We look at these things of Jesus saying, that, that I tell you not to worry about your life. And, and if your eyes are bad, if all you're seeing is what you don't have, then man, that's going to be dark. This isn't all bad for social media. Social media sometimes can be a great thing. I saw a quote from a pastor the other night that I can really relate with. He's a young pastor, kind of like us. Uh, his church is 20,000 people, and I'm a young pastor. Uh, so other than that, we're all the same. He says this, my, my car got stolen last night. Great opportunity to find everything in my life that can't be stolen. Joy, faith, optimism, hope, love, perspective, will, and purpose, just to name a few. Like, that's not always what we see on social media. We see other posts that create anxiety in us, that create jealousy in us. One of the Ten Commandments, there's also, thou shalt vacation. And then number ten, the last one, it says, don't be jealous, It's really hard to apply that one to what we see online, to everybody's absolute best post. So what's the practical thing to do from that? Is to cut off Facebook for two weeks, okay? Your phone battery will last a lot longer, your family will realize that you exist again, and you'll get so much more done. We're As a staff, as we go through Unstoppable, I'm challenging everyone to fast for something uh, for the whole time. So one of our people uh, gave up social media for, for now until the 22nd. And so I asked her, like, explain to me how this is impacting you. Uh, she said this. It says, I feel more content because I'm not caught up in what's happening in everyone else's best life. It allows me to be more present in my own life because I'm able to be in the moment with my family. There's no jealousy. There's no fear of missing out. There's no, oh my gosh, why are they in Hawaii again? Why do I have to be here at work when they're in Hawaii? Nothing wrong with Hawaii. God loves Hawaii. God loves your work. But what it does is it kills our contentment. And that's not who we are. We're people who are valued. Next thing is, we are perfectly provided for, so I don't need to spend my money unwisely. What that jealousy, what that lack of contentment does is it leads us into spending money just to keep up with people that we don't know and only see online. One of the ways that social media poisons things is we used to have to see the Joneses to know if we were keeping up with them, like run into them and actually see them with our eyes. But now we can just see them on the screen. We can see their absolute best. And so that leads us into spending money that we don't have and we don't need to spend. It leads us into making purchases on credit. We're going to have to pay off with interest over 72 months instead of being disciplined and saving up money over time, paying things off with cash and and then enjoying them for 72 months following. It kills discipline in us And it takes away God's role as provider over our lives as we look to our credit to provide for us. Now, there are things that are okay to use credit on. Like if you have a mortgage, that's great. Getting a new pair of Jordans on a credit card, not as great. Pay for cash with those. But we're provided for by God. And part of the way that gets in the way of that, part of the thing that gets in the way of that is when we spend irresponsibly. Okay, I am like number one on this. I actually enjoy shopping, I really like buying clothes, I like buying uh, tools, and I like buying stuff. I like looking for stuff, I like buying stuff. Uh, So for me, I am temporarily, until I decide that uh, I can actually go back. I'm on Amazon Prime probation. I don't know if it's a thing, but that's where I am right now. I am on probation from Amazon Prime because it's so stinking easy. There's no cash that leaves your wallet. You're scrolling, you're scrolling, that is nice. Buy two, and we're gonna do next same day shipping because I just spent over thirty five bucks, and it's that great. That's not God honoring. God's my provider. There are things that I need to worry about: eating food, really good; sleeping indoors, really good; providing for my family, really good; getting a new tool that I don't necessarily need. It I could actually borrow from somebody. I don't need that. I did that 100% this week. I spent money on something that, like, I've seen two people that I have really good relationships with have, and I could have easily borrowed it without being that guy who's always borrowing everything. You know, he knocks at your door, and you close all the blinds and, like, run out the backyard and try to sell the house really quickly. Not that type of borrowing. Healthy borrowing. But I assume God's role as provider in my life. For us, we're provided for perfectly. Credit cards are a way for us to conveniently assume God's role as provider. And part of the way that God leads us out of those, sometimes with credit cards, is with a pair of scissors to say, I'm not going back to being my own provider, especially racking up debt. I'm going to let God provide for me because I'm not going to be controlled by my finances. My unstoppable God is going to control my money instead of me. And finally, wherever I am, I'm going to make Jesus look good. That's the third thing that Jesus redefines for us. Jesus says, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. All right, Every single one of us today, Now, if you leave here and drive elsewhere, this will change for you, but for the next three hours, you're all in Fresno, right? This is not the vacation destination of the universe during the summer unless you really enjoy 105 degrees, and why is it kind of humid today? We are all here now, and what Jesus says is instead of looking at our screens through what other people are doing, I want you to do something here, and this is where we respond. This is where God meets us, where God's redemption process in our lives that will never, ever end. And that's an okay thing because he is always in the business of putting us back together. He says, I want you to do something here now. This takes a step with you maybe putting yourself on prime probation. You cutting up a credit card that's been way too convenient for you and starting to save money and starting to budget Out of everything that we can't control, we can control how we live today. We can control how we let God control our money or about how we control it and let fear and insecurity control it. We let God control the the areas that we're looking at. We're thinking, man, I really need your provision here, God, because this bill, this need scares me. We let God into that. That's how we respond today, and that's Jesus' message here. He's writing to people who have no, or he's speaking to people in this moment who have no jobs. This is the middle of the day. Jesus is out on the countryside, and a huge community comes just to sit and listen to him, and Jesus tells these people this. These aren't the influencers. These aren't the government leaders. These are the people who have no job, who are coming to listen to Jesus, and he says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need saying, we choose to live for God today, and the ripple effect in our lives is gonna be God giving us what we need. Not in a way where he's a genie, and we're gonna rub, rub his lamp, and he's gonna pop up and grant every wish. But He says, I'm gonna give you what you need. I'm gonna be faithful as your provider. You let me into controlling your finances, and you're gonna find out that you're gonna have more freedom than you had before. Why? Because Jesus continues to put things back together. He does that in our hearts. He does that in our lives. He does that with our finances. Let's stand and pray. Jesus, I thank you that you're here today. I thank you that you didn't come for us to be turnkey ready for you. You came for us to be people who needed a savior, people who needed redemption, people who needed your activity in our lives. And for some of you today, that's going to start. If you're here today and you've never made the decision to ask Jesus to come into your life, to ask him to forgive you of your sins, make you into a new person from the inside of you to the outside of you, I want to give you that chance today. You are not saying you're a perfect person. You're agreeing with every other Jesus follower in here that we are sinners in need of a Savior, and Jesus is that Savior. So I'm going to count to three, and when I say three, if that's you, I just want you to look at me, raise your hand, and as we close, someone's going to pray with you, and it'll be the best decision you could ever make. So one, God loves you, always has, always will. Today, he's calling you to follow him. Two, there are things in all of our lives, mine included, where we push God away, where we separate ourselves from God. Say, I'm doing this my way. That's called sin. Jesus came to pay for our sin and end that separation. And three, today's your day to say, that's me. I'm ready for a relationship with Jesus, my savior. I'm ready to find forgiveness today. Is there anyone like that here today? Or today's your day to say yes to Jesus. All right, for the rest of you. Okay, yeah, for the rest of you. There are two areas I want us to, to respond. If you're, if you're hearing this and you're hearing, and you know that piece about comparison and anxiety and looking at what everybody else has compared to what you have, if that's big in your life, then I want you to come forward and leave that here at the front. You're coming up to pray and you say, okay, God, you know this comparison that exists. You know this fear of missing out. You know this anxiety that that I'm not like everyone else that I see online. God, I'm giving this to you now. And I want to leave with contentment and joy from you today. Let's leave that here. And around the whole area of God as our provider, we want to see God's faithfulness today. As there are bills and worries and things that are causing us to freak out because we don't know where that money is going to come from, God continues to provide because he's all-powerful, because he's good. And so I want us to come forward, sit, stand, kneel, whatever you want to do. But leave that here. Say, God, this is what's coming. I don't know how it's going to get paid for, but you do. Let's leave these things here at the front today and walk out as people who God is controlling our finances and our lives in fresh new ways.